1: This is Rachel from C-SPAN's podcast team. And before we get to this week's episode, I'd like to introduce you to one of the producers here at C-SPAN, my colleague, Sean.
2: Thanks, Rachel. If you're a fan of the 2024 Campaign Trail podcast, we think you'll also like our evening newsletter, Word for Word, which brings you a recap of the day's most important political and policy events delivered right to your inbox. Read about what happened on Capitol Hill and at the White House and watch video highlights featuring the day's newsmakers. Hear them word for word.
1: Join our community of informed listeners and viewers. Head over to cspan.org/connect and subscribe to Word for Word today.
2: Thanks for listening and staying connected with Word for Word. Subscribe now at cspan.org/connect. Thank you.
0: This week C-SPAN covered 2024 presidential candidates as they trained their messages on voters in South Carolina and Nevada. On this week's 2024 campaign trail, we'll hear from President Biden, who spoke in South Carolina to mark the state's first year holding the Democratic Party's first official presidential primary. Also in South Carolina, Republican Nikki Haley, as she sought to close a wide polling gap in her home state against GOP frontrunner Donald Trump. A look in Nevada at the former president's message to voters there, and a discussion with Nevada Independent founder John Ralston on the state of the presidential race in the Silver State. But first, a few minutes from a Washington Post virtual interview with South Carolina Democratic Congressman James Clyburn, who's serving as one of the co-chairs of President Biden's re-election campaign. He talked about the president's strategy in South Carolina and some of the headwinds faced by the Democrats in the upcoming election, as well as his advice to the Biden-Harris campaign to more prominently highlight the administration's accomplishments. Well,
3: you know, no matter what we do in this campaign, I talk about it all the time. That's why I started prolonging my introduction to the president, as I did this past uh, weekend uh, uh, in Columbia Uh, and a couple weeks before that in Charleston. Rather than presenting the president in the more dignified way of, ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States, I've been going deep into these things, hoping that I can generate more discussion. And it seemed to be working to some extent. In fact, I just had a governor uh, of a state uh, to call me today asking me to give him a copy uh, of my introduction to the president uh, last weekend. Well, I can't give him a copy of that. Because I didn't video it, and I didn't have anything written. I just talked from my own experience with this president. I told him, check with the media sources. Maybe somebody uh, recorded it, and maybe we can get it from them. Yes, we got to go out and talk about these things. And louder and longer. You know, I used to be in this business. And one of the first things that I learned is that people need to hear something. It may be changed now, but back in the day, they said, they got to hear it 14 times before they will remember it. And so we have to do that. We have an experience with that. When we passed the Affordable Care Act, the biggest thing Barack Obama did, we didn't go back to people to tell them what they had. We lost 63 seats, all because of the Affordable Care Act. We ran on it eight years later and won the House back on the Affordable Care Act because people finally found out what they uh, had gotten. It took them eight years to hear it 14 times, uh, but we uh, finally got through to them, and we're there now. So that's what we, we're up against here. And then we're up against all of this uh, AI, artificial intelligence. I mean, this is serious stuff that can undermine this country. So this is not just a Democrats' problem. This is our free media We need to be making people aware of the fact that so much of the stuff that's getting into their heads, is getting onto their devices, is fake. And the guy who keeps talking about fake news is the one who is creating the fake news. You can always tell uh, what uh, Trump is doing by watching and listening to what he accuses others of doing. He is the biggest transfer of discretions I've ever seen in public life.
0: Next, President Biden's remarks from the South Carolina Democratic Party's first in the nation celebration, marking the state's first year being the lead off primary state for the party's presidential nomination. He spoke about what he noted as key accomplishments of his first term and made his case for voters to elect him to a second. His remarks were briefly interrupted by an anti-war protester.
4: Folks, We're just getting started. That's why I'm so optimistic about our future. 40,000 projects across America and counting, rebuilding our roads and our bridges, affordable high-speed Internet everywhere in America, ripping out every poisonous lead pipe in America so every child can turn on a faucet, drink clean water without worrying about brain damage. We passed the most significant gun safety law in decades, and I will not stop until we once again ban assault weapons, as I did once. Now, look, I want you to imagine, to imagine the future nightmare of Trump's back in office. I'm serious. Given the nightmare when he was in office, you know what is likely to come. Trump and his MAGA friends are trying again to get rid of the Affordable Care Act and ripping away the protections you have under that, even if you have a pre existing condition. I won't let that happen. Are you with me? I will not let that happen. Instead of saving Social Security for working people in the middle class, Although he said he wanted to get rid of it or change it, cut it drastically, he now says he's for it. But guess what? Trump and his MAGA friends will give another massive tax break to the super wealthy and the biggest corporations. I won't let that happen. (laughs) Folks, I know you're with me. I know this. Trump and his MAGA friends are determined to take away your freedoms, like the freedom to vote. Trump brags about taking away a woman's freedom to choose. And now they're hatching a plan for a national ban, a national ban. I won't let that happen. Are you with me? I've made it clear. If Maggie Republicans try to pass a national ban on abortion, I will veto it and consider that a promise made, and a promise will be kept. if you re-elect me and Kamala with a Democratic House and a bigger majority in the Senate this November, imagine a future where we restore Roe v. Wade as the law of the land again. A promise made and a promise will be kept. Let me close with this. A few weeks ago. Of- Let me close with this. A few weeks ago, along with Jim, I spoke at Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston. I said there are extreme and dangerous forces at work in this country, dividing us, not uniting us, dragging us back to the past instead of leading us to a future, refusing to accept the results of legitimate elections seeking, as Trump says, to terminate the Constitution, embracing political violence and white supremacy. I said in Charleston, there's a second lost cause emerging in America. The first lost cause perpetuated the lie that slavery wasn't the cause of the Civil War. And we've been paying a price for that lie for generations. The second lost cause is Trump's big lie that the 2020 election was stolen. We cannot allow that lie to live either, because it threatens our very democracy. Folks, there are truth and there are lies. Lies told for power. Lies told for profit. We must call out these lies with a voice that is clear and unyielding. The Bible teaches we shall know the truth, and the truth shall set us free. My friends, we must speak the truth that America—we still in America—we still believe in honesty, decency, dignity, respect. We believe we believe are all created equal and deserve to be treated equally throughout our lives. We leave no one behind. Everyone deserves a fair shot. We give hate no safe harbor, and we stand against the evil of racism, the poison of white supremacy today, tomorrow, and always. And we will live in the light, not darkness. We'll stand with the truth and defeat the lies. And when we do, we'll be able to look back and say something few generations have been able to say. America's democracy at risk was at risk, and we saved it. Are you with me?
0: Nikki Haley was back in her home state of South Carolina after coming in second in New Hampshire's GOP presidential primary. Her main goal now is closing a double-digit polling gap between her and front-runner former President Donald Trump, who has been endorsed by a number of Republican elected officials in the Palmetto State. Next, a portion of her remarks from a rally near Myrtle Beach, where she sharpened her attacks against the former president and his governing style.
5: And think about it. He's got... South Carolina elected officials all around it, And so the press asked me, well, what did you think about the fact that that your governor in South Carolina came and stood behind, you know, Donald Trump with all the other South Carolina elected officials? And I said, I'm sorry, do you mean the one I defeated when I ran for governor? Do you mean the Speaker of the House and those elected officials that I forced to have to show their votes on the record when they were trying to hide behind voice votes? Do you mean that same political group that I forced to pass ethics reform and made them show where their income comes from? The same group that I banned half a billion dollars worth of pet projects that they were upset about that group? You can have them. I don't want them. You're going to sit there and have Lindsey Graham stand up next to you and we're supposed to say, oh, that's what we need to be doing. (laughs) And I'm just going to let the one on Tim Scott go. That's up to y'all, I'm not gonna say anything about it. We have to live with our decisions. So look, let's look at where we are. You just had these court cases and he had another one yesterday. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not paying attention to what he's been charged with, whether he's found guilty or innocent, I've lost track. I don't pay attention to that. But what I do know is that we continue to see him in a courtroom and then come out and give a press conference. And when he comes out and gives a press conference, he continues to defend himself and says that he's a victim. But do you know what the problem with that is? Every time he does that, he's not talking about the debt that we're dealing with. He's not talking about Social Security that Congress is robbing. He's not talking about the fact that our kids can't read. He's not talking about the fact that we've got an unsecure border and it only takes one person for a 9-11 moment. He's not talking about the wars that are happening around the world. He's talking about court cases. And guess what? There are 91 charges. So the rest of this year, that's what we're going to be hearing about. And you know who's watching that? Russia, China, Iran. That's who's watching it. That's why it's dangerous. But we also want to look at the fact that everybody talks about what a good economy we had under Donald Trump. And we did, right? But at what cost? $8 trillion in just four years. Our kids are never going to forgive them for that. And you have $34 trillion in debt. We're having to borrow money just to make our interest payments. China owns some of that debt. And I would love to tell you that Biden did that to us. And Biden has sent us down this socialism roller coaster that's dangerous that we have to stop. But as your governor and as ambassador, I have always spoken hard truths, and I'm going to do that with you today. Our Republicans did that to us too. You go back and look at that 2.2 trillion dollar COVID stimulus bill that they passed with no accountability, that expanded welfare has now left us with 80 million Americans on Medicaid, 42 million Americans on food stamps. That's a third of our country. And do you think that he's, anybody's done anything about that? Republicans had the chance to make it right. No worries. (laughs) Republicans, did they try and make it right? No, they doubled down and opened up pet projects and earmarks for the first time in 10 years, pushing through 7,000 of them a year ago. Wanna know how they spent your money? $30 $30 million on an honors college in Vermont, $10 million to tear down a hotel in Alaska, $7.5 million on a courthouse in Colorado, and the list goes on. In, 20, in the 2024 appropriations budget, Republicans put in $7.4 billion worth of pet projects and earmarks. Democrats put in $2.8 billion. Now you tell me who the big spenders are. All while one in six American families can't pay their utility bill. 60% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. 50% of American families can't afford diapers. Homelessness is up 12%. 650,000 Americans are homeless. Something's got to give. And do you know Congress has one job, one job, and that's to make sure they give us a budget on time. Do you know Congress has only given us a budget on time four times in 40 years? Four times in 40 years. You know what we'll do about that? You don't give us a budget on time, you don't get paid, period. Don't you think it's finally time we had term limits in Washington, D.C.? Don't you think we need to have mental competency tests for anyone over the age of 75? Now, let me say this. I'm not being disrespectful when I say that. We all know 75-year-olds that can run circles around us. And then we know Joe Biden. Congress has become the most privileged nursing home in the country. (laughs) These are people who are making decisions on the future of our economy. These are people making decisions on our national security. We need to know they're at the top of their game. So what do we think we should do about the economy? The first thing is, don't you think it's time we finally put an accountant in the White House? We'll start by clawing back to over $100 billion of unspent COVID dollars that are still sitting out there. Instead of 87,000 IRS agents going after middle America, we'll go after the hundreds of billions of dollars of COVID fraud. One out of every $7 was spent fraudulently. If 8% of our budget is interest, quit borrowing, cut up the credit cards. You have to balance a budget every day. I had to balance a budget as governor. Why is Congress the only group that refuses to balance a budget? We'll stop the spending, we'll stop the borrowing, we'll eliminate their pet projects and earmarks, and I will veto any spending bill that doesn't take us back to pre-COVID levels. That will save us trillions. And then we will reduce the size of the federal government. It is too big. We will take as many federal programs as we can and we'll send them down to the states. That way we're reducing the size, but we're empowering people here on the ground. Think education. Think health care. Think welfare. Think mental health. If all of those came down with no strings attached and every state could decide for themselves what they needed. That's when you start to move the ball. These are common sense changes. I'm going to clean house. Sing it.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail from accepting payments to managing inventory Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
0: Miss Haley's campaign got a boost from former Wyoming Congresswoman Liz Cheney, who called on Haley to stay in the race. And a series of fundraisers with major donors in New York, Florida, and Texas were expected to raise around $500,000 apiece around $5 million this week in total. After winning New Hampshire's primary on January 23rd, former President Donald Trump took his campaign back on the road to Nevada, where a change in how the state's Republican Party is holding its presidential nominating contest has virtually assured Mr. Trump a win of the state's delegates. More on that later. Next, part of his rally in Las Vegas, where he made the case for electing him for a second term in the White House, and panned congressional Republicans' efforts to work out a bipartisan border security deal.
6: There is zero chance I will support this horrible open borders betrayal of America. It's not going to happen. I notice that, and I'll fight it all the way, I notice a lot of the senators, a lot of the senators are trying to say respectfully they're blaming it on me I said that's okay please blame it on me please because they were getting ready to pass a very bad bill and I'll tell you what a bad bill is I'd rather have no bill than a bad bill a bad bill you can't have and that's what was happening in the house as you know the speaker who's by the way I think he's going to prove to be a very good speaker it's tough when you have a very small majority very tough Mike Johnson speaker He just said, it's dead on arrival in the House. It's dead on arrival. We want either a strong bill or no bill, and whatever happens, happens. But this is the single greatest threat to our country right now, is the people pouring into our country, because we have no idea who they are. The fact is that if Joe Biden truly wanted to secure the border, he doesn't really need a bill. I didn't need a bill. I did it without a bill. I did it with the current laws. I used Border Patrol. I didn't have a bill. I didn't need lots of different things. It's not that complicated. You say, I don't want the people coming in. They say, yes, sir. There won't be any people coming in. And that's what we did. It's not that complicated. But all Biden needs to do is to reimpose every single border policy of the former president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. Did you ever hear of him? Um, And remember, I alluded to it, the bathing suit. He's in the bathing suit. If he would just go to the beach, and if he would have just gone to the beach, he, you know what, they think he looks good in a bathing suit. You know the chair? You know those chairs are meant for little children to lift up for their grandfathers, okay? He can't lift up the chair. He can't drag his feet through the sand. Does not work too well? Remember what he said, I'd like to take him behind the barn and punch him. Remember, and they all thought the fake news said, isn't that nice, isn't that cute? Oh, that was such a cute. Supposing I said that about him, I'd like to take him behind the barn and give him a shot. They'd say, he's a fascist. He's a fascist. They would call me a fascist. With him, he can say it. They thought it was so cute. I remember when he said that. And you know what would happen if he took me behind the barn? I'd go like this. It would happen very fast. It would be over very fast. But they called me a fascist when I suggested it. Every day, Biden's extremist open borders agenda is destroying innocent lives. Last month in Texas, a savage illegal alien monster was charged with brutally murdering a 16 year old Texas high school cheerleader, murderer, stabbing her 19 times and leaving her body in a bathtub. He was let into our country illegally. Just — oh, and the crime is rampant, by the way. In New York, in the Roosevelt Hotel, they say they are just — they're fighting everybody, including themselves. They're beating the hell out of each other. This is a rough group of people we're letting in. Many of them are very rough people. These are not babies. Again, they come from prisons and jails, right? They come from mental institutions. These are rough people. These aren't babies. The only thing is they make our prisoners look like very nice people. Just weeks ago, a five-time deported illegal alien who claims he was possessed by a demon was sentenced for beating and raping a young woman with special needs in what one law enforcement official described as among the most heinous crimes that she'd ever seen, 15 years that she'd ever seen in law enforcement. And just recently, a vicious illegal alien criminal who was wanted for murder all over the planet, wanted, everybody knew this person, not a good person, was discovered living as a fugitive right here in Las Vegas, isn't that nice? We have no choice. Within moments of my inauguration, we will begin the largest domestic deportation operation in America.
0: This year's presidential primary frontrunners, President Biden and former President Trump, spent part of this past week focused on labor. On Wednesday, former President Trump visited the nation's capital to meet with members of the powerful Teamsters Union. Here's some of his remarks to reporters after that meeting, along with some of the press conference with Teamsters President Sean O'Brien, who noted the union had yet to make an endorsement.
6: Thank you very much. We had a very strong meeting with the Teamsters. Uh, Over the years, I've employed thousands and thousands of Teamsters, and they've done a great job, especially in New York, where we have... A lot of unions. Uh, I've had great relationships with the unions. Uh, We're with Sean O'Brien, as you know, and Fred Zuckerman. And they're terrific people. Great leaders, actually. And I think we had a very productive meeting. Stranger things have happened. Uh, Usually, a Republican wouldn't get that endorsement. For many, many years, they've — they only do Democrats. But in my case, it's different, because I've employed thousands of Teamsters, and I thought we should come over and pay our respects. And uh, as you know, a big part of the voting bloc votes for me, a very big part. Uh, Some people say more than 50 percent. Nobody knows what the exact number is, but some people say more than 50 percent of the Teamsters vote for me. So we had a very, very productive meeting, I think, with a lot of uh, Teamster representatives upstairs. You know, it's interesting. We just had a meeting with the Teamsters, and one of the biggest problems they have is millions of people are pouring into the country and that's a killer for the Teamsters and I'm going to stop it and that's why the Teamsters I think support me now I don't know if the top people will support me we're going to have to find that out but within the union itself I have tremendous support you can't give an on the right now. Well I don't know I mean they never do that they never give it but I yeah, felt I felt that yeah I mean we have a good shot I think they like what I do uh, they never had better a better four years than they had during the Trump administration I can say that for a lot of businesses and a lot of people African-American, Asian-American, Hispanic-American. They had the best four years they've ever had. Every one of them. Well, I think the UAW made a terrible decision. And by allowing all electric cars, they're all going to be made in China. You're going to have no jobs over here. But I will not allow all electric cars. I'm going to have all kinds of cars.
7: Um, It's been like the process we've done over the past five meetings. Uh, We've got specific questions and issues. Uh, More importantly, we have rank-and-file members that are out there working in the trenches every single day that had an opportunity to present questions like we've done in the past uh, to the candidates. And, um, you know, there's a lot of, still there's a lot of due diligence that needs to be done. There's a lot of boxes that need to be checked. Uh, We had a long conversation, dialogue about, you know, right to work, Proact, making it easier to organize, uh, supporting workers' rights legislation, working together on bankruptcy reform. Today's dialogue was basically about putting our issues out on the table and letting people know, letting all the candidates know how important these issues are. And this is what's going to determine an endorsement or non endorsement. It was an engagement conversation. Um, you know, look, a lot of this, I think, with every single candidate we've found is that. You know, they're not, they're not uh, as well-versed on a lot of these issues, and it's up to us that we can articulate exactly uh, what it is. I mean, we've been working hard across the street uh, with a lot of senators that aren't Democrats that we've been able to uh, get support on a lot of issues that they wouldn't support prior. So this is going to be a continued work in progress before we make a decision.
0: President Biden also spoke to organized labor this week. He was in Warren, Michigan, a suburb of Detroit, meeting with members of the United Auto Workers, which endorsed him last week.
6: We
4: now have, in large part because of you and organized labor, the strongest economy in the whole damn world. We do. We do, in the whole world. Inflation's coming down, r- r- jobs are growing. We created 800,000 manufacturing jobs. Remember they told us we were dead, manufacturers dead in America? China was going to eat our lunch? Well, guess what, man? We don't taste that good. (laughs) So, look, folks, I really mean it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And the whole country owes you. They really owe you. And I tell you a guy I owe. I owe this guy named Sean. He stood up. He gets it. No, no, no. He gets it. Come here. Come here. I really mean it, because when we got all these numbers moving and we, we and you guys endorsed me, he talked about a simple thing. He said, "This is about giving people a shot. That's all it is. It's just fairness. Give people a shot. That's what you do. That's what you do. And besides, you built my '67 Corvette. <laughs> my pride. Many ever watched Jay Leno's Garage?" You watch me race on my, my 67 Corvette? It's only a 327, 350. I tell you what, man, I got up to 130 miles an hour, though. Secret Service doesn't like riding with me very much anymore. Anyway, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you're not only helping auto workers, you're helping every worker in the world. You really are. You're the best workers in the world. That's not hyperbole. And I learned a long time ago. Last comment I'll make. I've been doing this a long time. I know I don't look like I'm 40, but I'm 40. (laughs) Right? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh. (laughs) Anyway, 40 times two. But (laughs) the thing is that, you know. There was a provision in the law that was passed during Roosevelt's time about the big fight was could unions organize then? That? that was the big issue. It not only said unions could organize, it said we should encourage the union movement. That's what it says, the law. It says one other thing. When the President of the United States is given money by the United States Congress to spend, whether it's on an aircraft carrier or a highway or any public event, they should do two things. One, this is what the law says. One, they should hire American workers. Two, they should use American products. And you can make an exception if you didn't have a worker for a particular job or, a project or the material, you could hire somebody else. But guess what? For the longest time, we didn't pay attention to it. I pay attention to it. That's why we're growing. Made in America by Americans. That's why we're the best in the world. And you're the best. Thank you and God bless you all. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: Next, a preview of what you'll see this weekend on American History TV's historic campaign speeches series. Every Saturday, AHTV looks at presidential campaigns past. This week, you'll hear from George H.W. Bush in March of 1988 and from President Biden in 2020 when he won his first primary of the cycle in South Carolina.
8: I'm proud of the job that South Carolina has done as a part of what we call the Reagan-Bush revolution. Last year alone, South Carolina created 62,000 new jobs, 2,700 of them in the textile industry, continuing to move continuing to move ahead and some of you are old enough to think back to eight years ago when we came into office and you remember what the prime rate of interest was I remember it because 10 days before I was took the oath of office as vice president the prime rate was 21 percent and every senior citizen saw his and her savings going up in a puff of inflationary smoke with inflation in double digits You had the President of the United States saying there was a malaise in the country. Everything was measured in terms of a misery index, and that's been turned around. And some people in this country still are hurting, and when they do, we care. But the answer is to keep the recovery going by holding the line on taxes and getting the federal deficit down, not by raising your taxes, but by doing a better job on the spending side, disciplining a United States Congress that appropriates and spends every single dime.
4: I saw it a few days ago in a town hall in Charleston, Jim. I spoke with Reverend Anthony Thompson, whose wife, Myra, was studying the words of her Bible with eight other prisoners at Mother Emanuel four and a half years ago. It was a weekly routine reading scripture and finding purpose and faith in God and in each other. And in an instant, hate, vengeance, white supremacy, pierced that faith, and they were lost forever. But you know what I found the most remarkable thing in my career thus far? Remarkable about Reverend Thompson and the families of the Emmanuel Nine. It's through all that pain, all that grief, they forgave. And here's the deal. In their forgiveness, they brought more change to South Carolina than any that's occurred over the previous 100 years. Think about it. The Confederate flag came down. Real change. That's why the Sunday after, Jill and I and my family, we came back to Mother Emmanuel on Sunday services after the funeral of the victims. Because six weeks earlier, we had lost our son, Bo, and we needed to be healed, too. We need to be healed. I really mean this. We needed whatever they were exuding. And with every season that's passed, they've gotten up and found purpose to live life worthy of the ones they lost worthy of the blessings to live in this remarkable country. We left here having arrived in overwhelming pain, thinking we can do this. We can get through this. So I want to tell you, it's no small reason why I'm in this race. People like all of you here tonight, all around the country, the days of Donald Trump's divisiveness will soon be over.
0: Next, a look at some of the U.S. Senate campaigns taking shape this year. First, we're in Ohio, where three prominent Republicans are seeking to unseat Democratic Senator Sherrod Brown. Here's a look at local coverage from Columbus, Ohio, of those candidates' first debate, which was hosted by Next Star Television.
9: It was a sometimes heated debate. These three candidates are, after all, all Republicans, and they agreed on a number of key GOP issues. But there were stark differences as well on things like the southern border and immigration.
10: I'm saying deport anybody who's here illegally. He's redefining amnesty as meaning uh, staying here and getting government benefits or becoming a citizen. Amnesty means anybody who's here illegally has to be deported.
9: The only immigrant on the stage, Bernie Marino led the charge, demanding deportation of any illegal immigrant, meaning even those brought here as children, something all of them would do. But to secure the border, Frank LaRose would even use military intervention, drone strikes on Mexico.
2: The definition of a foreign terrorist organization is a group that's willing to kill our fellow Americans. These cartels are killing over 200 Americans a day with the fentanyl that they're bringing into this country. We know that this comes from China, mixed together in Mexico. We must define these cartels as foreign terrorist organizations and use the full force of the U.S. military and the U.S. federal government to kill them so that they can't kill our fellow Americans.
9: State Senator Matt Dolan was asked about actions he's taken that seem to be at odds with Ohio Republicans on guns. He's introduced red flag laws, voted against expansion of Stand Your Ground. He says he is a strong advocate of the Second Amendment, but also a realist.
11: The reality is I have the guts to stand up and say, if you are a legal owner, a sportsman, you have nothing to fear from me to your Second Amendment rights. But if you own a gun illegally and use it, or if you're showing suicide or homicidal tendencies, don't you think it's time that we step up and prevent this violent crime?
9: Dolan and Marino spent much of the night taking swipes at each other. On foreign policy, Dolan supports funding Ukraine, while Marino wants limits. On Israel, Marino defended his comments made in the days after the Hamas invasion that Israel doesn't need U.S. support.
10: I would have Matt, who's a state senator, this is really important, is a state senator, call on the boards of trustees at Ohio universities and fire the Palestinian right. terrorist sympathizing professors. Will you do that?
11: We have taken on the higher ed. Jerry Sereno has led a charge and we are taking on higher ed. It's way more than just Ohio University, Bernie.
9: We learned that Dolan will vote in the Senate this week to override Governor DeWine's veto of the transgender legislation.
11: I voted for the bill and I'm gonna to vote to override. Two years ago, I stood up here and said, biological men should not be playing uh, sports against women and we're gonna take care of that uh, this week.
0: Those three Republicans have tightened their polling gaps behind Democrat Sherrod Brown, the incumbent U.S. Senator from Ohio. In the latest poll of Ohio Republican voters by Emerson College, all three GOP candidates polled below Senator Brown, but well within the margin of error. Next, some of the ads these candidates are broadcasting on the Buckeye State's airwaves.
2: I've always believed with hard work and focus that anything is possible. But lately, it feels like our country is slipping away from us. Rising prices are hurting families. An open border is bringing in drugs and crime. Parents are being cut out of their children's education. As a dad to three young girls, I know something has to change. Someone needs to step up and take on the fight. Well, I'm a Green Beret, a conservative, a man of faith, and I'm not afraid of a fight. I was born and raised in Akron and a proud Ohio State graduate. This is our home. When I think about where I came from, I know that my service is far from over. I'm on a mission to give back to the state that has given me so much, to continue to serve the country I love and fight to protect the values we share. That's why I'm running to serve as your next United States Senator.
7: See mommy, I told you daddy was running. Visit FranklinRose.com to learn more.
11: I'm Matt Dolan. The Chinese Communist Party is America's biggest economic threat. They've stolen our intellectual property and our manufacturing jobs. Now they're buying up our farmland and spying on our kids. As Ohio Senator, I'll fight back. Bring in our factories and supply lines home and protecting American workers. Joe Biden and Sherrod Brown, they won't stand up to China, but I will. I'm Matt Dolan, and I approve this message. Hi, I'm Matt Dolan. I'm running to be your United States Senator, so you deserve to know exactly where I stand. I know border security is national security and that every Ohio family deserves law and order. I know our Second Amendment must be protected. I know life is a gift from God, and every Ohio taxpayer should keep more of their hard-earned money. I approve this message because I know Ohio's conservative values are worth fighting for. We love Ohio and we
10: love Bernie Marino. Bernie Marino puts America first and will secure our southern border. We have a completely wide open border where you have drugs and human trafficking streaming through our southern border. The first thing we have to do is we have to finish the wall and then allow the U.S. military to wipe the Mexican drug cartels off the face of the earth. We need to put America first and make that happen.
6: We love Ohio and we love Bernie Marino.
10: Conservative outsider, Bernie
3: Marino for Senate. I'm Bernie Marino and I approve this message. We need America first conservatives in the Senate like Bernie Marino.
6: We love Ohio and we love Bernie Marino.
3: Marino was the first candidate to endorse President Trump. Just like Trump, Bernie Marino is a businessman and a political outsider. Marino will fight to finish Trump's border wall and stop amnesty. That's why Bernie's been endorsed by Ohio's America
10: First Senator J.D. Vance. We love Ohio and we
0: love Bernie Marino. Bernie
10: Marino for Senate. I'm Bernie Marino and I approve this message.
0: Next, we head to California, where a four-person race has emerged to replace the late Democrat Dianne Feinstein. Democrat Adam Schiff is leading the candidates with 25% support in the latest poll from the University of Southern California while fellow House Democrat Katie Porter and former San Diego Padres baseball player Steve Garvey, who's running as a Republican, are tied at 15%. Democratic Congresswoman Barbara Lee, who represents part of Los Angeles, was at 7%. Fox 11 in L.A. hosted a debate with the candidates. Here's some of their coverage.
8: So if California voters get you in the Senate, what's the big difference that they get compared to your two opponents here?
12: Before I was elected to Congress five years ago, I was a consumer protection advocate. I took on greedy corporations and Washington officials asleep at the wheel. And what I saw then is what we all know now, which is that Washington is broken. I have been a consistent, progressive,
13: who gets the job done, who has delivered for my constituents and will deliver for California. I believe in earmarks. I believe in not being derelict in my duty. California is the one of the states that sends money to Washington, DC. We don't get our money back here at all. And so I believe in targeting and sending money to nonprofits and to organizations that deserve their federal dollars for homeless shelters, For LGBTQ plus health clinics, for education, for housing, for climate initiatives, everything that our community uh, needs. And so I am not going to stand here and say I don't believe in earmarks. I do. As
11: you point out, we have a lot of similarities in our voting record. But when our country was threatened by a would-be dictator in the Oval Office, one of us stepped up to the middle of that fight. Um, I took on the president, I investigated him. uh, I led his impeachment when he incited an insurrection against our country. I served on the January 6th committee uh, to hold him accountable. We need a senator in California who's ready to lead in the big fights.
10: As a conservative moderate, I thought it was time to stand up. Time to stand up against career politicians. Time to step up against those who have created policies that are We're out of time. putting
8: this state yeah, But just real into quick, quick the question was, is there anything that you disagree with your party on in the Senate? Is there?
10: Just about everything. Just about everything? <laughs> no. I, you know, I'm common sense. I'm compassionate. I'm consensus building. And I think we need to get back to that in California. We can't only talk about okay. it in, in, in Washington. We have to start doing something about it. And I think my leadership, based on years of building teams and championships, okay. businesses... Will make that difference.
0: The Democrats running for the U.S. Senate from California raised more than $55 million last year, according to filings with the Federal Election Commission. Congressman Adam Schiff was the front runner, with nearly $28 million raised in 2023, followed by House colleagues Katie Porter with $25.2 million, and Barbara Lee with $4.4 million. Republican Steve Garvey was a later entrant to the race. And while his filing with the Federal Election Commission isn't yet public, Politico reported he had raised just more than $600,000 in the last quarter of 2023. Next, some of the ads these candidates are airing on California airwaves and pushing through digital channels.
8: Two leading candidates for Senate, two very different visions for California. Steve Garvey, the leading Republican, is too conservative for California. He voted for Trump twice and supported Republicans for years, including far-right conservatives. Adam Schiff, the leading Democrat, defended democracy against Trump and the insurrectionists. He helped build affordable housing, lower drug costs, and bring good jobs back home. The choice is clear. I'm Adam Schiff, and I approve this message. You may know Adam Schiff's work to protect the rule of law,
13: or to build affordable housing, or write California's Patients' Bill of Rights. But I know Adam through the Big Brother program. We've been brothers since I was seven. He stood by my side as I graduated from Yale, and I stood by his side when he married Eve, the love of his life. I'm a little biased, but take it from Adam's little brother. He'll make
8: us all proud as California's senator. I'm Adam Schiff, and I approve this
12: message. Make no mistake and don't believe the BS. We have a Congress made up of rich people, of privileged people. We have a healthcare system that is run to line the pockets of big corporations. We need to stop running our housing policy to benefit Wall Street. So it is absolutely time to shake up the Senate. I have never taken a dime of corporate PAC money, and I refuse lobbyist money. I am the only candidate on this stage who has never cashed those checks my entire career has been about holding big corporations and cheaters accountable and we need a senator who's going to elevate our biggest challenge which is housing affordability to the top of washington dc's priority list you know i'm going to stand with workers that's the kind of senator you'll have with me one who will always fight for you this is who i am and this is why you can trust me to fight for us
8: Right there, way back. Matter man back to the wall. It's gone. All right, for me. And there will be
10: tomorrow. Over 50 years ago, I came to California for the first time. September 1st of 1969, the Dodgers called me up. And my dreams came true. Over the next 20 years, I played for the Dodgers and the San Diego Padres. I played in front of millions of fans. I never played for Democrats or Republicans or Independents. I played for all of you. Now I'm running for the U.S. Senate in California, a state that I believe at one time was the heartbeat of America, and now it's just a murmur. It's going to be a common sense campaign. It's going to be difficult, but we can do this together, you and I. It's time to get off the bench. It's time to put the uniform on. It's time to get back in the game. Join Team Garvey, at stevegarvey.com.
1: John Rolson is the founder of the Nevada Independent and a longtime veteran of Nevada politics. Here to talk about the upcoming primary
13: and caucus. Why are both things happening? Well, that's a very good question. And a lot of people are asking that, including people in Nevada, uh, Republican voters. Uh, some of them, at least, are very confused. There is a state-mandated primary for both parties on February 6th. And then the Republicans are having a separate caucus where their delegates will be a- awarded on February 8th. Uh, Nevada was long a caucus state uh, until 2021, when it was changed by the Democratic-controlled legislature with some support from Republicans after the Iowa caucus disaster of 2020 uh, that they didn't want to see repeated here. And... Nevada wanted to make a bid for first in the nation primary, uh, which ultimately failed. And, and Joe Biden chose South Carolina. With that backdrop... Uh, The Republicans uh, decided they wanted to have a caucus, and this state party here is completely controlled by Trump supporters, and it's clear that they wanted to have a smaller universe for the former president to compete in, and one that was more controlled. The primary, uh, this law was also changed uh, in in reaction to COVID, has all mail ballots. uh, It's a universal mail ballot state now, so everyone gets a mail ballot, so every Republican got a ballot. And uh, there is some thought that they were concerned uh, that there, there might be a problem for Trump in a larger universe. He would have won the primary easily, but maybe by not as big a margin as he's going to win that caucus. So in a caucus, are they showing up somewhere and the primary they can just mail in their ballot? Uh, Primary, they can mail in, and most are, or they can vote in person. Early voting uh, is is occurring right now, uh, and then they can appear in person on February 6th. But most voters are voting by mail. Uh, Probably 90 to 95 percent, in fact, are voting by mail. And that's true of both parties. Slightly smaller percentage among Republicans. Caucus, they have to go uh, somewhere, but it's not a pure caucus in that Caucuses, the way they used to work is you'd have people giving speeches for each candidate and then there's a 15 percent threshold that you have to meet and they would eliminate candidates. This is kind of only a pseudo caucus and that you can fill out a ballot and leave. You don't have to stick around for speeches. And so uh, it's unclear how well it's going to work, but it's clearly been set up to give Trump a huge advantage. And now with the winnowing that's occurred, he is on the ballot alone with a long shot candidate by the name of Ryan Binkley.
1: Who is participating in the primary, the Republican primary?
13: So uh, uh Tim Scott and Mike Pence who are no longer in the race filed for the primary and Nikki Haley is on the primary ballot. Uh and and she essentially has said the state is not fair. She's right in as 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 far as it goes towards the caucus and she filed for the primary very late. Uh she is going to win that uh, uh yeah but it depends what the, what win means. She's not going to win any delegates and it's potentially uh, uh she could lose in that primary, to something that is only exists in Nevada called None of These Candidates, which appears on every single statewide race. The governor, who is a Republican, has endorsed Trump, but said he's voting. In the primary, not just to keep his perfect record intact of voting, but to vote for none of the above. And the Trump campaign is trying to get everybody to vote for none of the above so Haley will look bad. She has not spent any resources invested at all in Nevada. If she had, she certainly would win that easily. Now there is some question about whether she could lose to none of the above, which almost never wins one of these races, of course. Has she or the other
1: candidates been campaigning in the state?
13: She is not. Uh, she's essentially said she's going to ignore Nevada that it's not fair and she's concentrating all of her resources right now in South Carolina but Trump has been here he did a rally uh here recently he's invested uh in this state the state Republican party base here is firmly with Trump as it is in most places and he really came here mostly uh, uh, just a few days ago to tell people not to vote in the primary and to make sure that they vote in the caucus, so he can run up his margin and and make sure that Haley, who will uh, either win or 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 lose to none of the above uh, on on uh, two days earlier, will look bad. On the Democratic side, what is happening? Not much. Uh, I, I, you know, it's Joe Biden and and then some minor candidates, uh, but the, Biden wants to run up the score here, too. Uh, and so they're they're not leaving anything to chance. They wouldn't you know, with all the talk of how Joe Biden's numbers are not good and they're not good here either, although not generally among Democrats where he remains fairly robust. There is going to be a none of the above, none of these candidates on that ballot too. And so they don't want to see that get too big a number. So the vice president was here last weekend. The president is coming this weekend to fire up the troops To vote. Now, early voting is already going on, and tens of thousands of Democrats have already voted. Uh, And so uh, most of the vote is probably going to be in before the actual primary occurs on February 6th. Who are the president's
5: base supporters in Nevada?
13: uh same as it is uh pretty much everywhere uh you know he he this is a working class state, the culinary union is very powerful, it's the biggest union in the state represents casino workers there's about six they're about sixty thousand strong. but what they also have a large population of is is an exploding population in Nevada since I started covering politics decades ago. That's the Hispanic population and that's a population that as you know across the country has moved a little bit away from the Democrats and so they're trying to re-engage the Hispanic uh, uh, cohort to come out and vote in the primary. For Joe Biden, and so it's not much different than, than than the coalition that Democrats have built across the country. What is his event this weekend? He's doing a rally. Uh, and, and uh, I, you know, I am sure that they are going to try to get as many people there as possible, because, of course, they're worried about polling that shows uh, Donald Trump either beating him or within the margin of error. Uh, and there have been polls here in Nevada recently that show Trump winning by uh, double digits or close to double digits. I don't think those polls are right. But Democrats here are very worried, uh, even though they have won every presidential election here since 2008. Is Nevada a swing state? It is. Uh, It's certainly going to be one of the half dozen, seven or eight states uh, that determine whether someone gets to 270 in the Electoral College uh, in November. So there will be a lot of action here after uh, uh, the, the nominees are confirmed in the conventions this summer.
1: There's also a Senate race to watch. Democratic Senator Jackie Rosen
13: up for re-election. Give us the lay of the land for that race. So Jackie Rosen uh, has not been in politics that long. Uh, She was in Congress for a term before running for the Senate. Uh, She she is in her first term, uh, but she has amassed a huge war chest. Uh, She has put some very highly skilled people around her, uh, but she's going to need them. Uh, Catherine Cortez Masto, her colleague, uh, who has been around politics for a long time, barely got reelected last cycle uh, by 8,000 votes, less than a percent. Uh, And so Jackie Rosen uh, has to be concerned. Uh, What's true about politics, though, everywhere in campaigns is candidates matter. And the Republicans uh, don't have an obvious great candidate. So the National Republicans have settled on a guy by the name of Sam Brown, who actually lost in the primary for U.S. Senate last time, uh, but has developed a grassroots network. He's a veteran, uh, a badly scarred veteran who has built a, a real good grassroots support both in terms of organization and small dollar donors. Uh, but he has a primary as well. And he is up against at least one person, a former assemblyman who almost became Secretary of State by the name of Jim Marchant, uh, who, who is a conspiracy theorist. And, but, but he is close to Trump. I think the NRSC, the National Republican Senatorial Committee, is worried that Trump might endorse Marchant because Marchant has not done much. He has not raised much money. Sam Brown, thank thanks to national Republicans, has raised a lot of money. One other person in that race, in that Republican race, who could be a factor is is a man named Jeff Gunter, who was in the Trump administration and is a very wealthy dermatologist who says he's going to spend a lot of his own money. We've seen no evidence of that yet. John Ralston, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: A reminder. This program and all of C-SPAN's campaign 2024 coverage can be found online at cspan.org campaign.